0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Soundworks Collection Interview Series. This is Michael Coleman, and this week I spoke with composer Panka Koneva at this year's Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. Panka started her career working alongside composer Steve Jablonski, where she composed additional scores for game titles including Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands, and Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Panka's music, which has been called haunting and passionate, is a blend of her Eastern European heritage, classical training, and media scoring. Penka has also worked as an orchestrator and composer on such films as Matrix, Transformers, Pirates, Elysium, Ender's Game, and video games such as World of Warcraft, Starcraft 2, Gears of War 2 and 3, Sims 3, Diablo 3, Need for Speed, and Dragon Age 2. I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, it's
1: my pleasure and honor. Thank you, Michael. And
0: we're, we're here at uh, GDC in San Francisco, 2015. What brought you here? Why is Pink at GDC?
1: This is my sixth GDC. I came here because right now my heart is in video game scoring.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm extremely passionate about it. I'm here to build relationships, to attend panels. I'm also leading a panel on women in game audio, mm. celebrating the work of uh, Laura Cartman, a veteran game composer. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of audio directors who will be giving a career advice and um, it's, it's a very special thing because it's the first time for GDC to have yeah. a panel on women in game audio.
0: And, well I'd say not only that, I'd say you're not necessarily, uh, where, where are you from?
1: I was born and raised <laughs> in Bulgaria yeah. Eastern Europe. I came to the States 25 years ago to Duke University yeah. as a master's student in composition. I did PhD at Duke and uh, once I completed the PhD My passion was in media scoring. I wanted to be a film composer, so I came to Los Angeles just like anybody else (laughs) with a big dream. And uh, I started working for Steve Jablonski in 2004. So
0: let's stop there. How does that happen? How do you just okay. start working with Steve Jablonski? What's the short of it?
1: Okay. My first mentor, Patrick Williams, television composer, recommended me yeah. to Bruce Fowler, okay. who is Hans Zimmer's orchestrator. Okay. And also, at the time, I had learned a software called Logic, which yep. was very fresh at the time. Uh, so Bruce needed help with orchestrators, and i it was like in the 11th hour. He needed help on a big movie, and I knew Logic, so I got plugged in right in. So that's how I got into to be a part of Bruce Fowler's circle, and he introduced me to Steve Jablonski. Yeah,
0: And what were your thoughts of what you wanted to do at that point? What were you interested in?
1: Um, compose music for, like, television films, genre. I've always been a gigantic fan of fantasy, science fiction, okay. um, horror. So to me, that was something I wanted to pursue. But then Steve Jablonsky gave me this amazing assignment to actually compose additional music on the Transformers video game. And because I had orchestrated on the Transformers film, I knew every note of every cue and the whole style, the whole vernacular very well. So that was my lucky break. And uh, my father always used to say, you know, when the lucky bird lands on your shoulder, you have to be able to recognize this is your break. seize the moment. So um, I loved the experience of composing on the Transformers game. Um, It was like these big, super high-octane action cues. And I started coming to GDC, attending every possible convention Mm -hmm. I could find, reading people's blogs, reading on game audio, going to, uh, you know, watching endless trailers, learning the vernacular, learning the companies, the franchises, the technology. Really immersed myself. Because, I mean, before that, I was just a casual player. You know, I loved it, but, you know, arcades, video games, but just that, that was the defining moment, working for Jablonski and him opening that door for me.
0: I think it's just amazing. Like, I think of Transformers, it's a very masculine production. And so, what was? why do you think Steve connected with you so well? What do you guys share? What's the commonality there?
1: Well, I had to do one test cue. And um, after I passed the test, then Steve gave me the assignment. Well, you know, this is really funny. Um, As composers, we should never be, um, you know, okay, let me rephrase this. We get different assignments as composers, and some assignments we feel more passionate about. Other assignments we kind of think of, you know, okay, this is like my ridiculous whatever, but we should always treat every single assignment as like the most serious job in the world ever. So I scored uh, like a number of sci-fi movie of the week.
0: Yeah films with
1: lofty titles, such as Ice Spiders and Chupacabra. (laughs) I
0: saw those on your, on your, on your And (laughs) And actually, Steve
1: Jablonski had watched these movies. Oh, okay. And I gave my all, I did really good scores. And he actually told me that he really liked the music, (laughs) even though the movies, as you can imagine, were extremely low brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he actually heard my music on Sci-Fi Channel Movies. Nice. And uh, I just feel like he wanted to give me a chance to, to prove myself or grow. Um, and um, that's how it happened.
0: Awesome. So, coming off of that, you must have felt like, all right, I'm done. Like, I, I know I'm done. But like, my career has been laid out for me. I'm working. I'm that's working an, but, no, but that's not how it works, all of it. Yeah. yeah no. Okay. I'm making an assumption, but yeah. let's just let's just say you worked on a pretty high-profile title. What were your thoughts next after that that project finished? What was kind of ahead of you then?
1: I felt incredibly happy. This was like the most happy composing experience in my entire Hollywood career up to that point. Mm-hmm. I felt really energized and I'm, I was like, oh my god, I love this, it made me so happy. Every single cue, not cue, loop that I did, yeah. cinematics got approved on the first, on the first round mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, I'm gonna focus all my energy and passion into building relationships, into uh, learning the game vernacular, building relationships with composers, with decision makers yeah. and uh, that was 2009. So I spent the next five, six years doing nothing but that, just building relationships so the next year after the Transformers, because I already had one big game, um, yeah. Steve Jablonski recommended me to co-compose with him the entire in-game score for Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands, mm. which was the Ubisoft Montreal title. A huge
0: uh, relaunch of that, of, yeah. of that yeah. game, and, um, the franchise.
1: Steve Jablonski composed the theme and the cinematics and certain elements, and I did the in-game music. And with these two titles, plus being the lead orchestrator, arranger, and score producer on um, Gears of War 2 and 3. I could enter the field of games and say, well, I have this body of work and I'm really passionate and I have the classical background and the film background and the Hollywood pedigree and the people (laughs) took me seriously. And they saw the incredible passion and drive and, and just focus. And I think people really saw how much, how much I really wanted this career, yeah. just like I just gung-ho, just always giving out demos and making relationships and talking to people. There's this one particular instance I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. I went to a game um, managers' conference, like one of these conferences called uh, Leadership Forum for managers, for producers. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this dinner I attended. So everybody around the table was these guys, producers. And I was the only woman. And we spent the whole time talking about Russian spies, no careers, none of this none of this professional stuff, so, talking about, you know, tall tales yeah. <laughs> about Russian spies. And because I'm from Bulgaria, I was on the other side of the Iron Curtain. I know a lot of stories, so I like, could talk the whole time. And I got hired. I mean, I'm not saying I got hired on this amazing job because we talked about... Russian spies, but I think it's a combination of people being able to relate to me on a human level as a person, as a collaborator. Yeah. You know, is she cool? Is she easy to work with? Can can she take direction? People got a sense about me as a as a collaborator. Yeah. So I got one of my juiciest games that is still ongoing, and mm. it's a little uh, I found game with a startup, Swiss startup. But I'm grateful because yeah. I felt incredibly empowered by just that act of receiving a scoring assignment from having cultivated the relationship with this game producer.
0: Yeah, I think there's also something great about just looking at the success you've had in your career, which, which you know, if, if people didn't say or, or didn't have the issue of saying like, you know, this is a really male-dominated, dominant um, industry that, you know, not only is it competitive, just composer to composer or whatever, orchestrator, orchestrator, what, what to you? kept you, I mean, really helped you get through just navigating the industry? Did you feel that besides sticking to your work and focusing on producing a good end product and, you know, getting your own personal touch out, what what to you do you think, you know, I guess advice to other women who are in this position who want to kind of pursue this path? what what does it take? How would you describe that?
1: I've always had amazing mentors. Mm -hmm and having a mentor really worked for me in in having many mentors all over the years um i worked a lot it's just that i worked on big jobs and uh, i was able to kind of gather a body of work really solid work as an orchestrator as a composer across three fields of entertainment television film first and now games so people took that seriously they really saw the, the passion the skill and um, I always tried to give more than the expectation. And also, there's this nurturing personality. I mean, I'm a very nurturing person, so yeah. that's people really appreciated this. I, um, again, Bruce Fowler opened the door to Blizzard. He introduced me to Neil Acrey, the composer for cinematics yeah. uh, for Blizzard games. Probably, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's has been, for the last nine years, one of my most inspiring assignments because Blizzard music is the best. It's
0: been an incredible run, just actually, also the studio themselves in terms of what they've become Yeah. from just the very early beginnings, which I mean, you've been in, with them since what, Starcraft was it Starcraft II was the first one? Or oh, uh, was it was, before? The
1: Rack of the King.
0: Was it? Yeah. Was that the early one, okay. I mean, it's just like to think how big they've gone. I was at BlizzCon this past yeah. year and I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's incredible how big of a following they have and I can imagine to be a part of that must be pretty amazing. It's amazing, and I cherish
1: <laughs> that, and it has taught me so much, but I think the most important feeling for me is that I feel very inspired. Mm. It just kind of energizes me. It makes me feel so happy to yeah. be working on their titles, to be um, working with um, titles at that level, because, you know, we all all of us want meaningful projects. All of yeah. us want projects that will energize us, and we feel like we're using our skills obviously I have this passion for the orchestra and classical training. My mom started dragging me to concerts when I was like five years old. She had to like put well, me...
0: What was your take on it at the time?
1: Oh I loved going to concerts. Yeah. It was magic, you know, it was this amazing thing. Orchestra is like magic. So, um, to me, it always has been and I've never l- lost that passion. Yeah. So, I, I just feel Grateful and I count my blessings every day because I feel a lot of people opened doors for me yeah. And I uh, you know with the Blizzard body of work which now has been on all of their titles for the last nine years Yeah, and um, with other high-profile publishers. I also have worked for In addition to Jablonski. I worked for you know, Zur on mm. a couple of his as an additional orchestrator on a couple of his yeah. titles and on my own I now and for the last three years scored about six um, iPhone games, iPhone, PS4 downloads uh-huh. on my own, which I got awesome. from my efforts. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, I love it. Yeah. My heart is in games. Well,
0: what, what can you say, what part of the process to you is most exciting? Because it's exciting to be on a stage and I can sure imagine also a lot, there's a lot of stress or a lot of, you know, keeping your eye on the clock because gets expensive.
1: Um, as an orchestrator, the most exciting part is creating these gigantic scores that will sound tremendous and will have this huge emotional impact. As a composer, the most exciting process is the collaboration and getting a new assignment, where we talk about concepts and ideas and the world. Even that we before will you get to the stage, even before I write yeah. the first note. Yeah. So um, because my job always is and will be mm-hmm. to create an experience, to create a world that's an emotional world, sonic world that this game will inhabit. And uh, it has to be a beautiful match.
0: Yeah. It has
1: to be a beautiful fit. And um, a lot of conversations go on even before I write the first note. You yeah. know, conversations about you know, just the feel and the tone and style and, and models, like you know, let, let, me, uh, let me just see what previous games or films you're inspired by. And um, so we, in other words, to kind of start thinking about stylistically, you yeah. know, what, what's the tone, what's the style that we want to create. And these are big conversations. They're really important. I, I don't noodle, I don't kind of I don't sort of throw things and see what sticks. I'm a very thoughtful creative yeah. artist. So for me, that kind of thought process, that gestation process is huge. And uh, just working with people, I've always loved yeah. working with people. I've always loved collaborating. I started in theater.
0: I was going to ask As you, are you, are you, are you a gamer?
1: Of course I am. <laughs> are, are you, you? kidding? I don't I'm a gamer. Know, I mean, I mean. If I had more time, I would play more, but I'd definitely play through level one uh-huh. on like either training mode or easy, just to kind of get a sense. <laughs> you yeah, can yeah, laugh, yeah, but. Yeah, and, yeah. and then I, yeah. and my husband is a huge gamer, so okay. he invites me to come and watch cinematics or whatnot. Oh, nice. But it's important for me to kind of get a visceral sense yeah, yeah, of, of the game mechanics. But see, the thing is, I didn't grow up as a gamer. That's that's the interesting part. I can imagine
0: your gaming experience is very different than what kids today are doing.
1: (laughs) Shields, anyway. Yeah. I grew up with fantasy and science fiction, and um, I just really loved, you know, that kind yeah. of fantasy, horror, science fiction. So in other words, I grew up like a total geek. Yeah. You know, that whole culture to me is very um, close to my heart, and this is why I get these orchestration jobs on, you know, Elysium or Ender's Game, because I understand the vernacular. I yeah. understand, you know, how music works in in, in that genre, and uh, I adore fantasy and science fiction. I, you know, reading, watching movies, games. And uh, and that's how I I got these jobs, just because Mm. of pure knowledge, you know, matrix, which I worked on, Yeah, yeah. my my first first gigs. I mean, I was (laughs) not like an orchestrator. I just did the arrangements with the choir or whatever. You were there. But I was there. I could put that title on my (laughs) resume. Yeah. So it's just the knowledge and the full immersion in the genre and understanding the vernacular that gave me that competitive edge.
0: What's your take on the industry, maybe not right now, but where it might be? I mean, this is a big question, but like where it's going in terms of your role. Do you see that the type of work that you're doing is you're more, you're more integrated than you were previous years in the past? Where, where, where do you see how it's being adapted?
1: Uh, just the general thing. People will always love great stories, great storytelling and fantasy yeah. and escape, you know. So there, there will always be that need for great stories and, and new worlds that are completely new, sort of imagined. Mm-hmm. And so that's the power of, uh, because there's hope in in that kind of fantasy world, and and people seek that as audience members. As far as the industry is concerned, um, things change. I mean, the only sort of constant thing is that continuous flux and changes, and composers have to adapt. We have to reinvent ourselves continuously, and I kind of intuitively felt this a long time ago, so as part of me reinventing myself continuously, Mm. two years ago, I released this album, like a standalone passion project Mm. uh, called The Warrior's Odyssey, uh, which why why I did it, people ask me. And the answer is this. I had just worked on Gears of War 3 and I felt, you know, I just worked on this gigantic game. I'm not going to sit on my butt and wait for something to happen. Let me do something more. And that's the kind of person I am. I'm always very self-motivated and driven. So I just kind of sat down as a joke, and I let me put together a couple of action demos, but it turned into a whole album of mostly action music for shooters. Yeah. And the intention was to learn new chops uh, for shooter games, like new action music, and yeah. it came up to be this album, and it got me tons of jobs and really opened doors. So after this was such a success, just now, yeah. in a couple of months, I'm releasing my second album on a major soundtrack label, which I will announce very shortly. And uh, it's called uh, The Woman Astronaut. Uh And uh, it's this conceptual album uh, that's, again, very autobiographical about Mm -hmm. this woman driven by ambition and has three parts. And again, the intention was exactly the same, um, to grow as an artist and to compose music in that style, which I hadn't had a job before. Like, I've never done a sci-fi thing, per se. Or, you know, the music is kind of sci-fi transcendental. It's very modern, very innovative. Yeah. It's uh, kind of with drums and electronics. What was the
0: instrumentation that was maybe different from what you've done in the past, or is it um, similar? It's
1: orchestra, it's orchestra mixed in with electronics and ambience. It's like, because it has to be sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. And um, you, I'll, I'll be sure to give you yeah. check, check it out. But uh, yeah. again, the intention was to do something I haven't done before. And to do it outside of a job or assignment or a project, so I can truly be kind of self-motivated yeah. and do whatever what but, I wanted to do.
0: But did you find that more challenging because you don't have the constraints of here's a cinematic? I, I here's put my a...
1: own. I, I put my own constraints. What were in they then? What, what were you Well, it, to? it was going to be in three acts, so it's right. like 15 tracks, and uh-huh. each act has about five tracks, okay. and uh, each act had to have a very well-defined sound. So the first act is like adolescence, childhood, mm. homeland. So it's kind of very bright and uh, transcendental and hopeful, dreamy. Yeah. Then the second act is training. Have you seen Ender's Game? Of course, yeah. So that, that's the structure, that's okay. the story. You know? So the training, yeah. like the bullies, yep. and, you, and then you're tested, you fail, yep, you get yep. kicked to the curb. So the, the tone changes c- completely. I worked with a really awesome um, composer who does all the dubstep synths and drums, uh-huh. Jeff um, Jeff Broadbent. Okay. So he did a like, dubstep work, so it's completely different from the first act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third act is maturity. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know, you, you now have it's grown very up. very bold or is it? No, it's very um, introspective okay. and um, serious. That's
0: what I like, because that's your own perspective of what that should represent.
1: Yeah. So it, it's a concept album. It's kind of a very powerful personal statement. Yeah. It's like, you know, I come as an artist with a conviction. This is who I am. This is what I'm passionate about. And it's, you know, woman astronaut, because um, going back to the whole question of role models and why there are so few women composers, well, because there are no, practically no role models. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a vocation that historically and traditionally has been so just exclusive to women.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, basically, I kind of did a research, just as a joke, on mm. women in space. I know it's a very political thing. I know mm. it's always a competition, the Cold War and you know, all Russia mm-hmm. against America. But the fact is that 11% of all people who have ever flown in space yeah. on missions have been women. Yeah, yeah. So 11% of women astronauts and 1% women scoring yeah. movies. That does not make sense. Yeah. Like music is just, what is it about composing that's just so inaccessible to women?
0: Yeah.
1: The moment when I read this fact, I decided that my second album is going to be about the woman astronaut. So it's coming out in May. I mean obviously
0: you look around there's an in, uh, insurgent there's been um, gravity and gravity yeah. yeah yeah i mean just but even just like female uh, you know lead roles you know it's exciting to to see that happen because it, there's not enough of that obviously and you know, so i'm really proud of it yeah. it's uh,
1: it's bold it's innovative people have been responding amazingly to it Hollywood yeah. professionals who were part of the team so uh yeah it's coming out in, in in April or May, I can't wait to yeah. unveil it to the world. So again, it's just one big bold gesture of reinventing myself as, a, as an artist, as a composer, and pushing myself to grow forward. And um, again, because I'm passionate, and because I want to be a role model, and, yeah. and grow and get bigger and better jobs, what we all want.
0: Yeah. And lastly, what would you say? <laughs> what keeps you consistent? I guess from the sense of your own energy level of staying enthusiastic. I mean, like when you have a client in front of you, yeah, it's a different reality of you know. When you're at home or in your studio by yourself, and you know, I think you can kind of think about projects or what you want to do. And I think it, you know, there's kind of these ebbs and flows to anyone's kind of year, or career, or projects. How do you describe your own personal energy level to try to stay enthusiastic about about this work? Because it is it requires so much time and commitment, and also just I think kind of um, trust. That there is a project after the next one when it finishes. What, what? How would you describe your own personal take on how you've managed that?
1: You no, know, this is a very good question, and it has ch- the answer has changed over the years. So this is my 16th year in the business, and before, like even up until a couple of years ago, I was driven by ambition and drive, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to take step A and then step yeah. B. So I'm going to put my foot forward, and then I'm going to do this, and something else will happen. But it didn't happen this way, and right. you get very, you get very, really frustrated when your expectations are thwarted. So at one point, and I have these wonderful friends who are very mature and kind of, and they basically told me this is not how life works. I mean, Mm -hmm. don't make one step and second step. Sometimes life just taps you on the shoulder and you have to be, you have to just let go of the expectations, you have to let go of the anxiety and uh, all you can do is put your best foot forward, you know, your best intention, you know, be honest, authentic Mm -hmm. human being be an artist with integrity and just keep putting one foot in front of the other with no expectation. Things will happen as they happen. Things will happen on the right time when you're ready for them, cosmically, you know? Yeah, sure. So, in the last couple of years, the biggest sort of breakthrough for me was just letting go of the expectations and anxiety and frustration because I didn't yeah. have, I mean, all of us have career frustration. Yeah, yeah. How come I didn't get this gig? Yeah. How come, whatever i stopped asking these questions so at this point in my life it's like destiny this is my path this is my destiny things will happen as they're meant to be and uh, i just all i can do is be an artist of integrity and just keep putting one foot in front of the other without any expectations and things are awesome you know this past year was incredible i um worked on a number of Fantastic jobs with great people. Yeah. I would say the biggest gift for the last of the last couple of years has been just working with awesome people, just really amazing human beings, gracious, giving, nurturing, super high level professionals, mm-hmm. and that's the biggest reward ultimately, just the people yeah. and these relationships. Because you know, things, jobs come and go, companies right. start and go bankrupt you're gonna meet them the in people yeah
0: you're gonna see them in the halls here you know yeah it's you're gonna run into the people no matter exactly what. it's the yeah.
1: relationships that you forge and you cultivate over the years and you always you know try to do the best you can with every relationship and and sometimes the relationships also fall out and you have a falling out with people that happens too yeah. and you just have to again push forward with integrity and accept things as they are and kind of let go of the anxiety
0: yeah Awesome. So that
1: that has been my growth process in the last couple of years. That this is what keeps me fresh. Yeah. Just the total faith that things will happen as they're meant to happen.
0: Sign me up. I'm ready.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of happens with old age.
0: <laughs> with old I don't age. You
1: can cut this out. This no, is I don't. Joke. I
0: don't think so. I think this is. I think that's a good point because I think that you're saying that you, you, people start their career and they're very ambitious. Yeah. And they're willing to take projects for little to no pay or to work crazy hours or have crazy expectations upon themselves. And and then after you've been through a few hoops you start to realize that it's there's other priorities yeah Um, this
1: is sort of this is the undercurrent theme of the woman astronaut she starts from a place of ambition and passion and uh, resilience but then she kind of goes to a place of acceptance nice and that's the journey that's the Thread the red thread that goes through the album. It
0: should have been you instead of Sandra Bullock and Gravity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that was a powerful film. It
0: was. So. Cool. Well, Panka, thank, thank you so much You're for the awesome. time. And um, I guess where can people find out more information about you and your work? Where can they stay in touch?
1: Um, on my website, which yeah. is my name, Panka time. Okay. On, on SoundCloud. On SoundCloud. For sure. And. Um, I will unveil on Facebook, like on social media. Facebook,
0: <laughs> I love it. Your own distribution, your own, yeah, your own project. Thank you so much yeah. for wonderful questions, yeah. and this is
1: really amazing. I'm grateful. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Likewise.